0: Proverbs chapter 7. We're doing a series on Proverbs. And why are we doing a series on Proverbs? What, what kind of is the goal of uh, this series of messages that we're calling Field Notes... Um, wisdom for life from the book of Proverbs. And the reason why is because of the way we define wisdom. Here's what we're chasing after. Wisdom is God-centered competency for the complexities of life. That's what we're after. You know, it's really connecting the beauty of God to the realities of life. It, it, it It is asking God to give us A spiritual intuition and wisdom to say, not only do I want to know the truth, but I want to walk in the truth. And oftentimes, even in my own preaching, I've found that, you know, sometimes it's really easy for me just to kind of get lost in the theology, but then not show how it really connects to real life. And I think churches, too, get into this problem. Like, hey, come to church and hear really wonderful things about God. But you leave and you go, man, how does that really connect to my life? And Proverbs takes the beauty of truth and connects it to the complexities of life. And that's what wisdom is. And today we get to deal with wisdom in our sexuality, And I was shocked by the fact that Proverbs really talks about sex a lot. Like you read chapters 1 through 9, man, and it's like, whoa. We got on our hands a hot sex book right here. I mean, it's, it's crazy how much it talks about sexuality. And I was trying to think, you know, how can I introduce this? You know, this is always a real sensitive thing and, uh, and everything like that. And, of course, the preacher starts getting uncomfortable, and then people get uncomfortable and, and everything like that. How can I introduce this? And, you know, as I was thinking about that very question, I was watching the hurricane coverage over the weekend. Did you all watch that on the news? And, um, and, man, pray for the people down in Texas. They're really going through I think they're still going through a lot of rain and, and everything like that. But, you know, when I start watching hurricane coverage, can I be honest with you? I'm a cynic. Are you a cynic? I'm a cynic. I'm like, they are over-exaggerating the storm that's coming. Have you ever thought this? Like, it's in their best interest that you think it is the end of the world, you know what I mean? And so they're like, it's going to be bad, and there's going to be flooding, you know? And then even in the midst of the storm, when it's happening, I become even a greater cynic because they're talking about how everybody needs to get out of town, but there's the forecaster, like, in the wind. He's in the middle of it, and he's like, Bob, I hope that a, a, a road sign doesn't come and decapitate my head, you know? And it's like, it's like whatever, man. You're probably, like, just outside in the parking lot of the hotel, and you can go back in and have a drink. I mean, you know, I'm a cynic. I'm a cynic, and, and you know, their main message is get out of the path of the storm, and I'm a cynic. I'm one of those guys. I'm one of the guys like, I'm going to ride this out. How, are you guys like that? You're like, man, what kind of man are you? I'm going to ride this out, and it turns out with that storm, it was as bad as they said it was going to be, and it was worse, right, and here is the message today, really simple. It's a storm warning. And my message is this, flee sexual temptation. That's the message. That's all I have to come to tell you. Flee sexual temptation. Not only is there a storm coming, the storm is here. It's all around us. And that storm is, is, is coming to destroy our homes and our lives and our masculinity and our femininity and our identity. It is coming. It is here. It is right now. One of the things I noticed about that hurricane is when it first happened, it was nighttime. And what the reporters kept saying is you won't see the destruction until the sun rises. Not until light will you see the full destruction. And what I'm asking you to do is bring into the light this storm and the destruction that it is leaving all around us. Sexual temptation is a storm. And you and I are called to flee sexual temptation. You know, what is temptation? Temptation. What is any kind of temptation? Temptation is the ability or it is the invitation to accept a plan that is not God's plan and to think that it is better than God and God's plan in any given area. I've got a better plan than God for your money, says temptation. I've got a better plan than God uh, th- for your marriage than, th- than, than God has. I've got a better plan for your parenting than God has. I've got a better plan for your gender than God has. I've got a better plan for how you handle your body better than God does. That's what temptation is. It is to replace God and his wonderful design and plan for your life. And here's what I'm telling you. Anytime a plan comes and it's different than God's plan, your job, is to get out, to flee sexual temptation. As I was praying about this, I trembled. Not because I'm worried about talking about sex with you all. I'm not worried about that. In fact, I kind of look forward to it, to be honest with you. But I trembled because you know who I thought about? I thought about my daughters. That's who I thought about. And who I also thought about, and I mean this lovingly, I thought about their future husbands. And if I could go to them right now, if I could go to them right now and I could look at those boys that are going to one day marry my daughters, and you know what my message would be? Flee. Get out. Don't listen. Get away from this world. Don't let the world define sex for you. Don't let the world define what your body is or how beautiful you are, or how desirable. You are precious in God's sight. I tell my daughters all the time, man, God loves you. You are beautiful. And you don't need any guy to tell you that. Jesus tells you that. And the moment that you hear that message from Jesus, you will be ready to be a wife and secure and comfortable in your own skin and be able to walk and enjoy the good plan that God has for your sex life. Flee sexual temptation. Flee. And some of you, you're like, man, I've already, like, like the storm has already broken me. Like, it's too late. Like, you, you showed up on the scene too late. I've already given in so much. I've given so much of my identity. I've given so much of the wiring of my soul and my body to this storm that it's too late. And can I just tell you, this is why Jesus came. Human failure is never final as long as Jesus is operational. Amen? He can rewire you. He can change you. He can transform your life. He can give you hope and healing and comfort and relationship. But you still got to flee sexual temptation today. We can't take care of yesterday amen we we can't deal with with last month we got to put the past in the sea of forgetfulness we got to look to our future and we got to say from now on I'm going to ask God to help me to flee sexual temptation I'm not stuck I'm not I'm not somehow uh, obligated to this thing flee sexual temptation (laughs) thankfully I'm not the first to say this This message of fleeing sexual temptation goes all the way back to the book of Proverbs and the message of Solomon. And when you read Solomon and Proverbs, here's what you're listening in on. You're listening in on sex talks from a dad to a son. That's that's what's being recorded. He gives sex talks to his sons. King Solomon and he comes to them, and it's really funny because when you read it, it's like you're reading Proverbs, and then suddenly he says, now, my sons, let me tell you about the seductress woman. You know, like, let me tell you about the seduction of sexuality. Let me tell you about sexual temptation. And he goes on and on and on, and then he changes subjects. And then he starts talking about other things. And then he comes back again, and he goes, now, did I tell you about sex? And you can almost hear the son saying, we already had that conversation, Dad. Like, okay, I get it let's not talk about it anymore. And then he talks about it. Then he goes on and then he comes back and talks about it again. I count five sex talks from Solomon to his sons in Proverbs chapter one through nine. And you know what the message is? The one message. Every single time, same message, flee sexual temptation. That's his one message. <clears throat> he's so redundant. He's almost annoying. Flee sexual temptation. And what I want to do is come to one of those sex talks, in particular Proverbs chapter seven, starting at verse one. And what I want us to be listening to is, okay, we know where, where he's going. He's going to say flee sexual temptation, but why? What are the reasons why he is interested in telling his sons to flee sexual temptation? And so let's pick it up in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1. You can imagine it, uncomfortable young teenage sons sitting there, and they're ready to go out into the world, and they're simple-minded, they're gullible, they're still uncommitted to God, they're still uncommitted to the truth. They think that they can live by their impulse alone, and Solomon is urgently beginning to speak to them and Listen to what he says, starting in verse 1. He said, my son, in other of the talks he has sons. He says, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Now, I want to stop here and just say real quick, real super quick. Here's what he's saying. This is important. Sexuality is no secondary thing to God or to a life of wisdom. This is not like an optional, like, you can have God, but you can kind of do whatever you want with your sexuality. Solomon is saying, if you want wisdom in your life, you are going to have to bring wisdom in and let wisdom kind of guide your sexuality. I'll I'll put it to you like this. Until we put our sexuality into the hands of God, we cannot have a life of wisdom. We can't. The ripple effect of sexual sin will absolutely ruin every other area of our life. It'll ruin our economic life. It'll ruin our our marriage life. It'll ruin our parenting life. Any topic you think about that you want wisdom in, if you don't get your sexuality into the hands of God, you can't have wisdom ultimately in those other areas. If you fail here, Solomon is saying, you will fail everywhere. At work. The inability to have relationships with the opposite sex, in some cases, the same sex. The inability to have healthy relationships, to see other human beings as human beings and not objects, to be able to relate to people and have conversations. The ability to see beauty and say, man, she is a beautiful woman, but not to begin to possess her in, in my mind Until we get this into the hands of God, we can't have a life of wisdom. It's a storm warning. This is important. Write it on the tablet of your heart, he says. I'm a I'm a I'm a storm chaser. And Solomon, by the way, would know, wouldn't he? And I don't have time to go into his backstory. But he was the wisest man ever and ever to ever walk the face of the earth. And you know, he lost it. And you know what the Bible says? He lost wisdom and he lost God because he gave his heart to a bunch of women. He had like concubines and wives. Ecclesiastes says he chased pleasure and that he found it was empty. It was vain. It was a chasing after the wind and it ruined him. And Solomon is looking at his son saying, don't do it like me. How many parents have said that to their kids before? Have you ever said that? Like, I know what's coming. It will ruin you. And please let my failure be redeemed by listening to me by not repeating it. Don't repeat my failure. Do as I say and not as I did. Can I get a hallelujah? You know, Solomon's saying, please, boys, Listen. Listen, flee, get out of the path of the storm that's coming. The flooding that will occur afterwards will continue for days and years in your life. If you don't get out of this path, flee. Then he goes into a parable, man, this gets spicy. Everybody say spicy. Woo. Here comes temptation. This is the problem with temptation. Verse six. He gives a parable. He says, For out of the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths a man, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him with a bold face. She says to him, I, have, I, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I have paid my vows. He presents a seductress woman and ultimately he is talking about a woman who is offering the services of a prostitute for free that's what's happening here she's offering the services of a prostitute for free to this young man and she's saying hey come on come to my house come and follow me and this man lacks sense he lacks commitment he's living by impulse alone And she says to him, come and I will give you pleasure. And here's what I got to say about this lady, this seductress lady. She is still alive and well today, is she not? And while I don't want to make this less than a literal uh, situation that he's telling his boys, I want you to know Proverbs means for us to see this seductress woman as not less than a literal situation, but then far more. She represents an idea. She represents a worldview, and she is still walking in our culture. It says here about this seductress woman, what? That she's on every corner, that she's everywhere. She's all around us. This woman is in our computers. This woman is in our iPhones. This woman is on our iPads. This woman has immersed herself in the digital Babylon of our time. She's still alive and well, and she's seducing people. She's in the pornography. She's in the images, and she's saying, come and look at me. Come and worship me. And she's saying to everyone, everywhere, anyone who will listen, she is saying, if you come to me, I will give you a spiritual experience. Did you note that? She said, I've paid my vows. I've made my sacrifices. And in the ancient mythology of the world, that means this is a spiritual experience. This is a religious good experience, an enlightened experience that you can have. And she is everywhere. And she's not just for men, but she's for women too. Women are pulled into the seduction and the fantasy of a life of security, and and this seductress comes as a man in some cases and says, I can give you a, a feeling of security and a feeling of honor and a feeling of being desired more than what you're getting at home, more than what you're getting anywhere else. I can make you feel great. I can make you feel beautiful. This idea, this worldview is prouncing around, tempting all of us to a plan that's not God's plan. And if I could sum it up, here's here's the lie. This is what we got to flee from. Flee sexual temptation. It means this. Flee from this lie. God is sex. That's the lie. That's the lie of your time. That's the lie of the time of the people in the Bible. God is sex. Your sexuality will save you. Giving in to temptation will enlighten you, will make you feel stronger. It will change your life. It will change your life. I've got a quote. I hope I can pull it out of my pocket, turn my mic. Oh, praise the Lord. That's so great. I was able to get that out of my pocket. You have no idea. I prayed about that before the service. Lord, help me pull out the quote out of my pocket. Do you ever pray like this? Okay, Anyways. But this quote, listen to this quote. This is from Margaret Sanger, who's the founder of Planned Parenthood. Listen to her talk about sex and tell me she is not saying that sex is God. She says this quote, Sexual liberation is the only method of finding inner peace and security and beauty. Remove the constraints and prohibitions which now hinder the release of inner energies. Most of the largest evils of society will perish. Through sex, mankind will attain the great spiritual illumination which will transform the world and light up the only path to an earthly paradise. She is literally saying, now watch this. You're like, what? Everybody say, what? What? She is saying that sex and sexual liberation will get rid of society's evils, will lead us to paradise, will totally transform, enlighten, and illuminate our lives. That is a sex is God theology, and that's what's being pummeled on us in every commercial, on every website that's what's being said. Sex is God. And you know what's most tragic about that? Is it is an anti-Christ, anti-gospel. Because think about what the gospel is. What is the gospel? The gospel is that God so loved the world that he came in the flesh. He came in the body. And he came to draw us. He came to love us. He came to say, I will accept you. I will love you. I will enlighten you. I will lead you to paradise. I will transform your life. I will give you the security you're looking for. Jesus absorbed in his flesh on the cross our sins. Because the truth of the matter is, we all have sins and we all have sexual sins. Can I get an amen? So stop thinking about the person down the street. And stop thinking about the people on TV that are doing parades. Stop that. You and I are all, in some way or another, sexually deviant people. We need forgiveness. Because we decided that sex was going to save our life, and it didn't. And it doesn't. It doesn't. And you ask anybody, if, if sex is God and if sex brings so much illumination, then why are people more miserable now that we've gone through the sexual revolution than they were before the sexual revolution? Amen? Why are marriages absolutely destroyed? Why is the home totally fragmented? Why is it that 10 million children are living with... Uh, either cohabitating parents or a broken family. You tell me when you look around and you walk and and you hear the news, you tell me how good that God is doing. Because what I see is it's not a God, it's a devil. Now listen to me. Sex makes a great gift. Hallelujah. It comes from God. It's a good thing. But it makes a terrible master. And there she is on every corner. And Solomon is telling his boys, Solomon is saying, flee. Flee this offer of free sex. Flee this service of prostitution without having to pay a price. Flee that idea. Hmm. It goes on to say here in verse 15... She says, so now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens, whoa, 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 colored linens, from Egyptian linen, whoa, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon, Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him at full moon, and he will not come home. What an enticing offer to a young man at twilight verse 21 with much seductive speech she persuades him with her smooth talk she compels him all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare and he does not know that it will cost him his life And now, O sons, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. for many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. He's saying, you don't see the end. Through all of the seduction, through all of the beauty, through the linen and things, through the Yankee candles with the cinnamon scent, through all of this stuff, he doesn't see what's coming. What's coming is he's being led to slaughter. What's coming is he's being led into a trap. He's being led into a trap, and what Solomon is saying is really simple, flee sexual temptation. Get out of there. Get out of its path. Get out of its way. Because because the end is destruction. You say, well, this is kind of, I mean, he's saying this, flee sexual temptation. But to be honest with you, temptation is hard to flee sometimes. You can't just say flee sexual temptation and that's just automatically going to fix everything. It's kind of like saying, you know, don't, look, don't think about an elephant and you go, "Ha! Ah, dang it, I just thought of an elephant. I mean, what's his real solution? What is he saying that's really helpful? You know, ultimately, what I see in this text is I see when he says in verse 25, and look at it again, he says, let not your heart turn aside to her ways. You know what he's saying? He's saying to his boys, and this is what I'm saying to you. You are not the product of your environment or your culture. You are a product of your decisions. No one is going to force you to do anything. Solomon is saying no matter how bad it gets, no matter how ubiquitous this problem is, no matter how enticing it is, you always have the opportunity of escape. You are the product today of the decisions you made yesterday, and you will be the product of decisions tomorrow, of the decisions you make today. This is up to you. It is within your reach and within your ability to flee sexual temptation. And the greatest lie is this. The lie is that I can't flee sexual temptation. The, the greatest lie is that, that somehow that this is just the way it is. Well, boys will be boys. Well, you know, girls will, you know, they're going to go out and do that. That's the lie. He's saying you are only a victim if you let yourself be a victim. That's what he's saying. And it's completely within our abilities today, in Jesus' name, to flee sexual temptation. One of the first passages I ever memorized as a Christian Boy, at 17 years old, and man, did I need this, and it saved my life. It really, it really saved my life, and perhaps my future marriage. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Paul is saying the same thing. You're not the product of your environment. You're the product of your decisions. You're not, the pro- You're not some victim out there that just can't help it because it's gotten so bad. Well, you, you just don't know how it is anymore in culture. Prover- Proverbs is dealing with the same culture, and it's thousands of years ago. And he's saying to his sons, don't let it happen to you. You can be a victor. You know, Satan comes to steal Jesus comes to give, amen. Satan comes to kill. Jesus comes to bring back to life. Satan comes to destroy. Jesus comes to heal. And at any moment in time, Jesus gives you the ability through his grace, through his gospel to say, I can flee sexual temptation. You say, well, but I've got addictions, or I can't help it, or I'm beyond repair. Can I just say this to you? Then the decision for you is to go get help, amen? How about that? Go get counseling. Humble yourself. Be embarrassed for a short season in your life if you're addicted to pornography. Be embarrassed for a short season of your life so you can have a long life that is full with God and your family, and with the people in your life. Go get help. You can make a decision. You're not a victim. You can be a victor. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. you got to preach these anthems over yourself. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things. And that might be going to somebody and getting help. Or if you're a man and struggling, getting some accountability, getting together with guys every single week and praying. You can make a decision. You're not the product of your environment. You're the product of your decisions and the decision you've got to make is flee. You got to flee sexual temptation and parents, all parents, I want you to raise your hands right now. You you got a kid in your life. Parents, don't be naive. I'm serious. You got to help your kids flee. You're going to give them devices to look, look on. You find out what they're looking at. You're going to give them a Facebook account, which I highly do not recommend until you are absolutely certain they've got the maturity to handle that. But if you do that, you're on that account. You get the software for your family computers, amen? Flee sexual temptation. And you are very gullible if you think, oh no, that could never happen to my kid because they've got, you know, because we're never going to get a divorce, and we're just and we're, we're in church and and we go to VB, we go to like four VBSs every summer. I'm sure we're going to be just fine. We're going to be just fine. Let me tell you something. That world will take your child, I don't care who you are, and if it is allowed, that seductress will come on every corner in his or her life and pull them and pull them and pull them until it gets them from you. Listen to me, parents. You need to make the decision for your kids until they can help them flee sexual temptation don't let this world take your family it's a storm warning I know it's uncomfortable it'll be just like down down in Texas they come and they say you gotta leave your home you gotta get out of here there's a storm coming you say it's my home man I just redid the kitchen I just put the new bed in the bedroom I just put together my backyard just just like so and I got my boat that I like to go on to the Gulf of Mexico with I'm not leaving my home. I'm going to ride this out. No storm chasers saying, I don't care. You let the boat go. You need to get in your car, get on the highway, deal with traffic, deal with it. Can I get a hallelujah? Deal with the traffic and get out of town and flee. Get out of this path. It's uncomfortable. It takes more time. So now you got to do homework as a parent. You got to do homework. Now you got to do your devotion once a week or so or more. If you're like the pastor's family, you fast and pray every night for three hours. Can I get an amen? You know what I mean? And then you got to go to work. And then you got to make a living. And then you got to come up with a budget. And you got to do all this. And now I'm adding to that. You look at every device and you teach your kids about God's plan so that they won't be tempted by another plan. God is better. His plan is better. And Solomon is saying, Solomon is saying, flee. Flee. Sexual temptation and help others flee sexual temptation. You know, if you're a man or a woman and you've overcome some stronghold sexually, find somebody and help them flee. And it's not hard to find them. All you got to do is get to know some people and you'll find out real quick they need help. And if you've been afflicted and then healed, then you go and heal the afflicted and help them flee sexual temptation. But no matter what you do, you got to flee. But can I be honest with you? Let me just close with this. Well, I'm still really frustrated with this. You know, I just, I just think, man, I just, as a pastor, I've heard through counseling, I've seen the statistics. I mean, this is a real problem. Sexual temptation in men and women's life is increasing. It's exploding. It's a big storm. And when I think about it, I just feel like, yeah, this is just still a really big problem. And I need more from Solomon. And, and I got to tell you, in the context is something that's even more important than that decision that we make. And the really important one it comes from Proverbs chapter 9, starting in verses 1 through 6. I don't have a slide for this, but listen to this carefully, or you can turn to it in your Bible. And listen to what Solomon says. He says this, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come and eat my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. And I love this passage because what this passage is talking about is it's talking about the gospel feast. The New Testament says that Jesus now is the full representation of wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 says Jesus is the wisdom of God and what that means is, is that as Christians we get to look back at proverbs and see proverbs as words not given by Solomon but by the greater than Solomon that proverbs is ultimately the words of Jesus and in these words in proverbs chapter 9 is an invitation to all people to a feast and this feast wisdom says Jesus says is for the hungry The feast is for the longing. The feast is for the least promising people, the simple ones, the ones who are so hungry and so thirsty and filled with so much longing. And Jesus is saying, there's a feast for you. And what I will do is I will begin to fulfill your longings. Your need to belong, your need to be loved, your need to be desired and treasured and valued is here set before us at the table of the gospel. And what Jesus is saying is very important because here's what he's saying. He's saying that our problem is not desire. Our problem is not passion. Our problem is not that we're attracted to things. Our problem is not that we want to belong. Our problem is is that we've exchanged the, the real meal with a fake meal. That's our problem. You see, what religion will do, religion will come to you, and religion will say, you just need to stop having those desires, You need to stop having passions. How dare you make it about yourself and want to belong and need family and need people to like you and need people to desire you and need people to think you're awesome. How wrong for you? You just need to be a stoic and just turn those desires off. Turn those passions off. And you know what the gospel says? That's a lie. Your passions and your desire and your need to belong is from God. And our job is to go to him and say to him, Fulfill my longing. Give me a sense of belonging. Give me a sense of your strength. Give me your wine. Give me your bread. Give me your table. And let me tell you something Jesus died to make much of God so that we could go to God with our our longings and we could belong to him in an identifying, shaping way. That's the gospel. Don't let anybody tell you that desire is bad. It's not, it's good. Of course, you want to be loved because God is love and He made you. It's the false gods that cannot fill the capacity of love that God has put into our heart. And so Jesus says, Your desire is good, come to me. That's why He died, that's why He defeated death. And what is sexual temptation, really? It's not physical. It's not. Sexual temptation, at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with our physical lives. It has everything to do with our desire, our desire to be longed for and to belong and to be loved. You know, people say, well, men think about sex every two minutes. No, men think about their ego every two minutes. That's what's really going on. Men want to be strong and conquerors and go out with these great exploits and hey, you know, they talk about all their exploits and all this stuff. And you know what it is? It's ego. That's what's really happening. It's the need for respect, to feel strong. And if I, and if I can get that for free by looking on a, on a website or if I can get that for free by having a staring-driven life and pretending like I'm this... Mr. macho guy, then that's what I'm really chasing after. The physical stuff is just a byproduct of the larger issue of needing to belong and to be strong, and for women it's about being desired. My girls they want to, they want people to think they're pretty. I want to feel strong and macho. My wife wants to be desired because that's the way God made us. And the way to fix that is to get to Jesus and to let him, through grace, give us the belonging, meet that satisfaction in the glory of God. And as you cultivate that relationship, then you will have the fuel to say, I want to flee sexual temptation. I don't want to exchange this desire for God with a false desire that's going to destroy my life. I want to flee sexual temptation because Jesus has given me a family and he's given me forgiveness and he's changed my life. I've got the real feast in him. (laughs) When I was... When I was growing up, before I became committed as a follower of Jesus Christ, you know, I thought about the Christian teaching on sex. And you know what I thought? What a bunch of poppycock and boulder dash. I just thought Christians were the most ridiculous people in the world. I'm serious. I, was, I turned into a teen, and I was a heat-seeking missile, and I embraced it. Don't say amen. I mean, and I thought, what a, what a bunch of... You know, I just, I had very bad things to say about the Christian teaching on sexuality. I'll be honest with you. There might be somebody here who's like that. And then Jesus saved my life. And it was sudden, and it was surprising, and I was 17. And I mean, I've, I turned. And I remember coming to Jesus, and you know, my first question to him after I was born again was, uh, about sex. <laughs> you know, like, uh. And we started to have a conversation. And he led me to passages. He led me to that 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13 passage. He led me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 33. What does that say? You know what that says? It says what we've been saying. Or verse 18, pardon me. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin is a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And I realized at that very point, I don't know, by the grace of God, I have no idea how this happened. But I said, I knew I was not mature enough to date girls at that time. I needed some time to heal. I needed some time to get over some of my issues. I had to flee all situations that might put me in a compromising position because I knew myself. And so I stopped dating. And my prayer was, God, the next time I date a girl, I want it to be my wife. And so I was 20 when I met Sherry. Can I get a hallelujah? And I met her. And here's what happened, though, in that intermeaning time. First, I had to flee a lot of lust and a lot of bondage. But secondly, what began to happen is God began to put in my heart a desire to be a family man, to be a dad. He put in my heart to be a man that was able to relate to women in a healthy way. And he began to prepare me. And by the time I met Sherry, I was ready. And if I would not have had those moments with with Jesus, I would not have been ready. I don't know where I'd be today. And what I ask you to, to imagine today as we close out in prayers, I want you to imagine what would your life look like in three years if you began today a lifestyle fleeing sexual temptation? What would your life look like in three years? In three years, if you need to get help, you got help. What would happen if you got healed of your pornography addiction? What would happen in three years? Who would you become? What would your life look like as a woman if you no longer lived to please men by the way you looked, but you could look at a man as just a man, a person, and not your source of confidence or security? What would your life look like? What would your kid's life look like if you began to train them to flee sexual temptation? What would that look like? And I promise you, the vision is great. And not only is it great for you and your family and your life, but it's great for your witness. Because we are called to set up a sign that's dissimilar to this world, but which is full of promise. And if you and I can flee sexual temptation, other people in their destruction will begin to look to us and they will see a light. This is an opportunity to be a light, to be a difference. And yeah, people are not going to like our view about sexuality because they haven't been born again yet. And so we have to pray for them, that they'll meet Jesus in this great feast, the God who created sex. Don't you want to meet the God who created sex? I do. I want to know this God. I want to know him. He's good. And he's satisfying. Flee sexual temptation. Let's pray.